Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. One of the very best things that I got to do this past year, and by best I mean rewarding, fun, worthwhile, enriching, was to teach our kids catechism in our school two days a week. It was awesome. I loved it. We're going through um, our current topic, which is when I say current, you know what that means. That's like for the next so many years. (laughs) Our current topic, I'm calling it liturgical grammar. And we're going through the liturgical year with a focus on the temporal calendar. So we have the sanctoral and the temporal calendar. And the kids can tell you all of this. They know this forwards and backwards because we've reviewed it so many times. The temporal calendar follows the life of Christ throughout the liturgical seasons. The sanctoral, sanctoral calendar follows the feast days of the saints. But we have the major liturgical seasons walking us through the life of Christ. And in our class, we have delved deeply into, uh, you know, it's not just the data from the calendar. We have gotten into theology and philosophy and uh, linguistics and poetry and history and the spiritual life and all of this and much more. And as we've talked about the rhythm of the year and the life of Christ, we step back And we try and take a look at the whole and we see the vast arc and the sweeping patterns and the interlacing tributaries of the year and the rhythm of the life, the eternal life of Christ. And then we zoom in really close and we find a vast universe of meaning in a single cell of detail in the liturgical calendar. And we just go really do a deep dive and talk about one thing, one little aspect we had an amazing discussion on uh, betrayal and roosters when we were on Monday, Thursday. No, we were on Monday, Thursday, week after week after week. I mean, there was probably 10 reviews. They can give you a whole list of, you know, 15 topics of emphases from Monday, Thursday. They really can. You just ask them. They'll rattle them off. And they'll be able to tell you really profound stuff about each one. When you discover those things... You find those connections, and that's what the kids are learning also. They're learning how to be sleuths. They're learning how to discover connections because everything's connected in God's world, in the scriptures, in the liturgical calendar, in the way God works. Everything's connected, and it's a great joy. It's very satisfying and exciting to find those connections, and they find them. They, they find them better than we do, the kids do. It's amazing to see how they, just, they see Things that we don't see. You know, we've been a little jaded by life. They see things that we don't see and they get so excited. And we get so excited. I mean, the greatest power in this world is a connector. Is a connector. The greatest power of evil in this world is a disconnector. 
But as wonderful and exciting as all these discussions we've been having, this teaching and discovery has been, we realize by going through this to study them is not enough. We have to experience the life of Christ through the prayer of the church, through worship and prayer in these liturgical seasons. Part of Part of a great meal, a great food by a great chef that is always presented beautifully. That's a part of it. But in the end, it's meant to be eaten. We are currently in a very distinct liturgical season. <clears throat> this is not ordinary time, as some people call that long stretch between Pentecost and Advent. This is not just any season. It's the most important season. Can I say that? Yes, I could say it. Most important season. It's a season that embodies and defines our Christian faith and life. Anything else that has any meaning only has meaning because Christ is risen from the dead. This is the season of joy. The season of victory and triumph, fulfillment and requited love. This is the season that everything else is all about. After Jesus rose from the dead, he hung around for 40 days chatting with somebody yesterday about that and they were saying that's a long time when you think about it 40 days he hung around it's a long time maybe we don't feel that length of time in our experience of this season we should there's a way to do it but maybe we don't feel it there was a lot going on in those 40 days which was critical to the kingdom of God and the establishment of the church and the spirit of these days, the mood as we experience them now in the church, it is a season full of gladness and joy, of good humor. We find the mirth in the stories of Jesus' appearances, in the prayers that we pray, in the hymns that we sing, the shouts of Alleluia that we cry in unison as a family, as we said this morning in Lauds, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. I can tell you it's a odd experience singing that psalm by yourself, but <laughs> today's introit. Listen, listen to this. What admonition and encouragement. With a voice of singing, declare ye this. Now I hear that. I hear that as a command. I don't hear that as a suggestion. I mean, when he says, take, eat, all of you, how do you hear those words? <laughs> It's like, oh, you know, you might want to think about this. You know, if you feel like it, come to church and receive the sacrament. Take, eat, he says, all of you. I wonder how you hear the intonation of his voice when the priest speaks in the words of Christ. Listen today in a few minutes. Well, he says, with a voice of singing, declare ye this and let it be heard. Alleluia. Utter it even unto the end of the earth. Utter it, even unto the end of the earth. The Lord hath delivered his people. Alleluia, alleluia. All be joyful in God, all ye lands. Sing praises unto the honor of his name. Make his praise to be glorious. That sounds like a command to me. Be joyful. Sing. The joy so often referenced in this season is found and manifest in obedience to the injunction to come together and declare and sing the greatness of our God. That's it. That's what we're called to do. On Thursday, it will have been 40 days since Jesus rose from the dead. 
We've had 40 days of visitation, instruction, comfort, and joy, but on Thursday, he's leaving again. The Paschal candle here will be snuffed out after the gospel, signifying his bodily departure. Now, it will be relit at Pentecost, signifying his return with the Father in the Holy Spirit. At any rate, his second going away, which comes this Thursday, his first being his death, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. And we are still coping with it in our own day. We cope with it first by engaging in the prayer of the church in this season through worship. Now this morning I want to survey quickly, survey the four consecutive gospel lessons. And I think if we do that, starting with last week, Easter 4, today, next Sunday, which is the Sunday after the Ascension in the Octave of the Ascension, and then fourth, the Pentecost Sunday. If we do this and look at these four gospel lessons very briefly, I think we will be struck by a very clear and powerful message. It will be crystal clear to us what God is trying to say, where the treasure is, what the emphasis is. Now all of these readings come from Jesus' discourse on the night of his betrayal, these four gospel lessons. So I want to give you a very quick paraphrase rundown, and I'm going to save today's for last. So we'll do last Sunday, next Sunday, and then the following Pentecost, and then today's. So last week's gospel was from John chapter 16, and Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving them, and they're going to be filled with sorrow, but he says, it's in your best interest that I leave you, because that's the only way that the other comforter, who they don't really know who he's talking about, can come. I have to go away for him to come, and when he comes, you're going to experience me, Jesus, in a whole new and better way. <laughs> That's remarkable in and of itself. He's going to give them, that new comforter is going to give them something that Jesus in the flesh could not give them. He's going to give them Jesus and all that belongs to Jesus, namely all that is the Father's. It's going to come through that new comforter. And if he doesn't come, you can't get it. It's the only way it can happen. In short, we will attain the divine glory and be caught up into the Godhead only through the gift of the Spirit who gives us what is Jesus and what does Jesus possess? He possesses everything of the Father. So that was last week. Next week, in the octave of the Ascension, the Gospel is also from John 16 in which he promises them the Comforter whom he will send from the Father and who will testify of Jesus through the disciples to the world and they will be persecuted for it. The following Sunday, which is the Sunday of Pentecost, the gospel is also, again, from the same discourse on the night of his betrayal. Jesus promises to those who love him and keep his commandments that even though he's going away physically, that he and the Father will come back to them and live in them through the gift of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, I have been teaching and telling you many things while I was with you in the flesh, but you really haven't been able to understand. You haven't been able to assimilate the message I've given you. To really, it hasn't become part of you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to take all that is mine and the Father's, because what is mine is the Father's, and all that I've been teaching you, but which has remained somewhat on the surface, and he's going to bury it deep within you, make it your own. 
In other words, you will come to possess what is mine and the Father's. That is a remarkable thing to promise humanity. You will come to possess what is mine and the Father's through the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the three. That brings us to today's Gospel. Again from chapter 16 of John, in which Jesus makes a wild promise to the disciples when he tells them, whatever they ask the Father in the name of Jesus, he will give it to them. Yippee. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great, right? Whatever we ask in Jesus' name of the Father, he's going to give it to us. That is a fantastic promise. I mean, this week's Powerball. Somebody was wanting to pay for something. They, they were asking for this week's Powerball. Maybe a reservation to Nomar. I don't know, a high IQ. Or that everybody I love will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, this passage has embarrassed a lot of people who maybe don't know how to read the Bible in context. And by the way, the primary context is not just the text, although that's important. The context is the mind of the church, is holy tradition. Well, now, uh, just a little common sense would tell us that Jesus is not talking about Powerball or even a miracle of healing. He refused that to St. Paul, the healing. And I'm pretty certain that Paul, being a very good Baptist, must have ended his prayer in Jesus' name. He still didn't get what he asked for. Neither did Job. I'll tell you, you know, in the case of Job, who got their prayer answered? Satan. (laughs) Satan's the one who got his prayer answered when it came to Job, when he asked for permission to attack Job. God granted Satan his request and refused Paul and Job their request. He refused their prayer unto their salvation and granted Satan's unto his condemnation. At any rate, The promise Jesus makes in today's gospel is not carte blanche for anything that we might fancy at all. It's about something very specific. He goes on to say in today's gospel, which goes along with these other gospel lessons, they're all from the same section that we've been discussing. He goes on and makes it quite clear what Jesus is referring to. We can't hear it because we just get a little hung up on that one word, whatsoever, or whatever, which does not mean whatever. Like I've told you a million times, Jesus says things all the time that doesn't mean what it sounds like he's saying. Whatever doesn't mean whatever. Whatsoever means something very specific. Clear. (laughs) Jesus goes on in our gospel, so listen, it's right there. He goes on to tell them that they can have whatever they ask if they ask it in his name so that their joy will be full. He then tells them that he's been speaking in Proverbs over the past three years, but there is a time coming very quickly, he's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that he is going to take them directly to the Father. And then he tells them they will understand. They then will understand that Jesus is not a wall or a barrier between them and the Father. Now he is sort of a barrier to them and the Father while he's in the flesh. But when he goes away and the Spirit comes, that wall, that barrier becomes a passage which flows in both directions. And we have access in the Holy Spirit to all that is the Son's, which is the Father's. And that is the love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is Jesus promising the disciples when he says, whatever 
you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Well, if you ask your Father for a piece of bread, will he give you a scorpion? No. He'll give you a piece of bread. No, he won't give you. He will give you what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. By the way, that's all that God has to give you. The only thing he has to give you that is of any real value is himself. So what is this promise? Whatever you ask in my name. It's not many things. It's not, certainly it's not a high IQ or a pink Cadillac. The whatsoever is the one and only thing that makes your joy full. That delivers to you all that is the Son's. In this season of Pascha and Pentecost, it is all about our reception of the Holy Spirit, who is the love between the Father and the Son. So says St. Gregory Palamas. The whatsoever that Jesus promises to send us is the Holy Spirit who makes us participants in the Godhead and gives us all things pertaining to the kingdom of God and eternal life. He is our joy and gladness. He is the love of God poured out in our hearts. May we long for Him. May we make Him welcome in our lives. May we obediently listen to His voice and follow Him in all things. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.